0: Unloose the goose. We'll take no
1: views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use.
2: Unloose the goose.
3: Hi and welcome to the Unloose the Goose group. This was a idea that uh came up from some conversations I had with Jack Spierko. I put a video out not too long ago on my YouTube channel, kind of talking about issues with the the world and how you know making a call out how we can regenerate everything and 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 I went fairly broad. I talked about a number of of things in there. People know me as the urban farmer, so of course I tie in agriculture to everything I do, but I've also gone down a rabbit hole with uh, legal statutes and acts and documents over the last year, and that's really directed a lot of the podcast work I've done. And so after I released that video, Jack came back out with a response, which I really appreciated, and then we began a conversation from there about getting a group together, of ideas people. We're all, like, liberty-minded folks, at least I assume. I don't know if we have any communists or social justice warriors here. I don't think we do. Um, But what we're going to do in this podcast is start by introducing ourselves for about two minutes or so, and then um, talk about three big issues that each of us see, big either could be macro or micro issues, and then we'll kind of just have a general conversation from there. So since I'm starting, I might as well just start with myself. My name is Curtis Stone. People know me as the urban farmer. I uh relating to Liberty, I started a podcast called Liberty on the Land uh last year because I ran into some issues with farmers that I discovered kind of through my global consulting work, but saw started to see a lot of it here in Canada and I started to read the law and I found a bunch of things that kind of blew my mind and uh, I talked to a bunch of people that blew my mind and it opened up a world of actual possibilities, which was, it was kind of inspiring for me to go and read these, these government acts, which I know very few people do. I've kind of found I have a passion for it in a strange way, but I found a lot of remedy in knowing the truth about how the system works and how, how the whole world is constructed. And uh, it's, it's been quite an experience for me. And uh, I'm really happy to be here with all these folks to be discussing solutions. I think that's something that maybe we can inspire more people to do themselves. So my biggest issues, I'll just I'll, is that what we want to do? We want to just do our issues part of our introduction. Yeah, yeah, get I some think heads so. up. Okay, yeah, roll cool. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, th- it's kind of like one, but then there's two parts of it. Um, number one for me is we we have a world that has a lack of skin in the game. And we have, um, through our corporate structures of the world, uh, governments and corporations, both really the same thing, we have convenience and liberty. And we've continuously taken convenience and sacrificed liberty. And because of that, we have a legal system that has completely compartmentalized everybody and everything into these corporate structures. And so that's number two is the legal system. And then three, and and further still, because of this compartmentalization, because of this lack of skin in the game, offering of convenience, we have massive amounts of environmental problems that have come out of this. Now, I'm not a big guy who buys into the the, the, the conventional climate change narrative, but I, but I do see massive amounts of environmental problems that have come from this because people don't know where their food fr- food comes from. They have no connection to that process and that makes them, that allows them to make crappy consumer decisions. So those are my three. Lack of skin in the game, legal system is a huge, huge problem, and the uh, environmental problems. Who wants to go next? Nicole, would you like to go next?
2: I will go next. I'm Nicole Sauce and I come here from a podcast called Living Free in Tennessee where I just document what it's like to walk away from corporate land and go and go it on your own, which is kind of a scary thing, but also the best decision I ever made in my whole life. My background before that, I trained as a government school teacher, but we called ourselves public school teachers back then and realized that, the system was broken and ended up going into libertarian free market policy for 14 years. And that was soul-sucking, guys. That was some soul-sucking work right there because you're using the system to fix the system, and the problem is the system. So, Curtis, when I heard your video, I was like, yes, we can just walk away from the system and go do something great. So my three issues – And I really grappled with this because I started, you know, I this is how I process information, this mess here. I start writing. I have like 10 things, and they're all problems. And it kind of all boiled down to one issue, but I'll give you three. Uh, First is crime and the criminal justice system. We have an environment in our culture that doesn't know how to handle crime, doesn't define crime in any way that makes sense, and then has a punitive approach rather than a rehabilitative approach, which to your point, Curtis, is not regenerating anything. And then the criminal justice system is so broken that when we get, get, you know, somebody into that system, it, it it's set up to further itself, not actually figure out who's guilty or not guilty. I've got a friend in jail right now for 14 years for something he didn't do. And, they threw out all the evidence of his alibis who were with him when the thing was happening. Like the fact that that can even happen just makes me completely pissed off. But so I'd love to find solutions for that uh, poverty and hunger, which to me goes back to self-reliance and food freedom and free trade. It's the most natural thing in the world for me to trade my coffee for my friends. She makes this awesome green salsa. Most natural thing in the world. And on that level, the government really doesn't get in the way. Society doesn't get in the way. But we go bigger than that. They get in the way. And that hinders my ability to take care of myself. If we can't take care of ourselves, we can't be free. And all of this is supported by a furtherance of fake community. There are fake communities all around us bolstered by tribalism. We are told which schools to send our children to based on our zip codes. We are told who to talk to based on our geography. We're told who we need to interact on, act with based in a a push for diversity. And none of that is natural. When when we organize community naturally, we end up with more power to fix problems together by aligning around shared interests. People who are interested in crime with me can work on crime. People who are interested in raw milk can go work on raw milk. And we do that naturally, and if we let that happen, I think that and the power of that can change a lot in the world.
3: Right on. Excellent.
2: Pass it on to whoever's next.
3: Jack, you want to
0: go next? Yeah, I will. I was hoping I'd go last, but I'll I'll go next. First of all, just so far, just listening to the two of you all talk, I just want to say fucking A yes. Like, this is exactly what I wanted to see happen. When Curtis came out with his video – and I started doing my response video to it because Curtis called out like a whole bunch of really awesome people and I was kind of the oddball because almost everybody in that video that you called out was like 100% into like the ag world, which, which makes sense from where you're coming. And I'm like all over the place. And as I was doing that response, I was like, holy shit, man, I got to get these people together. Like I got to, I got to reach out into my network, pull these people together. And like I, 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 I can tell already where this is going and see the synergies here. And I, I know there was some of the stuff that like when Nicole was talking right there, Peter's just going, fuck yes, fuck yes. Like, like just, and he's, I can see him. He's like waiting to chop at the bit here, man. So this is just awesome. Um I'm Jack Spirico. I am the host of the survival podcast for those that, Maybe came in through another angle and don't know who I am. Uh, I've been podcasting full time for 11 years. I've been podcasting for 12 years. It took me a year to go full time with it. Uh, the show has about a quarter million uh, people listen a day. We build it around four tenants. Those are self sufficiency, self reliance, independence and liberty. Uh, two time winner of the podcast of the year award. We've been featured in major media and what have you. And. Yet we're still doing things our own way, which is basically screw the system. I mean, and I think one of our core themes going over the years has been systems, systems. Like I I, when somebody says the system, I know what they mean, but I'm always it's always like one of those things. Like when you when you see somebody shooting a rifle and their head's wrong and you kind of want to reach in and like, I know you're trying, but let's get your head right. Like when they say system, it's like, man, there's so many systems of control. And this is a big part of why I wanted to bring us together. And I know we're going to hear all these diverse problems, and I, I'm i going to go out on a limb and say everybody's like Nicole. Like when I said, hey, guys, let's all talk about our three biggest ones, you're probably like, I could do 10, 20, 30 problems, right? So um, what we'll be doing as we go through this with subsequent episodes is taking one and picking it apart and finding solutions for it. When we come at this though with the three big problems, I was kind of like, why don't we all not only say a big problem for us is that we are motivated to, but we hope to do the most in this group toward bringing ideas to solutions. So for me, number one, I was, you know, when I was postulating this, it was going to be like regen ag, permaculture, that type of stuff. And I thought, you know, it's so much bigger than that for me. It really is the food system as a whole. It's the food system as a whole. And that ties in to health and nutrition, there's going to be 300,000. They're worried about how many people are going to die of COVID this year. There's going to be 300,000 people in America that will die this year of obesity that 100% do not have to. 100%. Not not we could save 200 of the 300,000. Not we could save 299,999 of the 300,000. Like, if you're going to die of obesity, we could 100% not have a single person die. And good, nutritious, healthy food – is the number of way we can do that. And the in, in my experience and the transformation I've made in my life over the year, a meat-centric diet, as crazy as it sounds, the exact opposite of what they tell you to do is the way to go, and it happens to be the most sustainable way to produce food in civil pasture systems. So I want to do a lot with that as my contribution to the group, but I want to take it beyond that to where – I don't care if you are growing your own food on 30 acres. I don't care if you're spin farming like Curtis used to do. I don't care if you have a hydroponic system in your closet. I just want people to eat better, and I want to be teaching our children from a very early age to eat better and to take care of themselves and how to be sustainable with their food. So that is, like, one of my mega interests. Number two, it's something I've done from the very beginning and I'm so passionate about, is entrepreneurship and agorism. And I, when I when I think of entrepreneurship and agorism, I think like anarchism and libertarianism. So like all anarchists are libertarians, but not all libertarians are anarchists, right? So when I think about it that way, I think about agorism, and I think all agorists are entrepreneurs, but not all entrepreneurs are agorists. And what I'd like to do is get everybody on the entrepreneur bagwagon and drag every entrepreneur at least a little bit into the world of agorism. Cryptoagorism, you name it However we can subvert the system And a long time ago I met Curtis at uh, One of the Permaculture Voices, thing. I think it was the second one That Diego, Gar- uh, De- Diego Footer put together And during his presentation He said, we can learn Something from the cronies Well I, I postulate we can also learn Something from like organized crime So think about like every organized crime Series, movie, whatever you ever saw Same thing and- Jack Right. Well, I I know. I know. Right. But look, every single one of them has what? A legitimate business. Right. And I've determined that I've been able to do so much more as an agorist by having a legitimate business than by being an employee and, and practicing agorism on the side by having that legitimate business. Right. And it's a legitimate business. I'm public. I'm right here. I'm able to, if you want to put it this way, get away with more. And there's. It's like, in many ways, you can actually even call it legal money laundering. We're going to probably be in trouble for that one. But, I mean, (laughs) in in some ways it is because I've always said that the tax code is 10% what you have to do and 90% how you don't do it. And when you move into this world of merging agorism and, you know, what they would call legitimate entrepreneurship, you are able to maximize that 90 percentile. And then everything that's agorist is kind of, that just never happened. So to me, if we can build a world of people who know how to build their own business and know how to practice agorism, know how to operate outside the system when it's right or expedient or makes the most sense, and then operate inside the system when it makes the most sense, then you've got something really powerful. You've got true independence, and you've also got that point where a lot of things that we do as agorists, we can actually do better because the state's there. Like, it creates these opportunities in these gray markets. That's a term I, I really learned from Vin. Like, I never really thought of it as a gray, It's like a black market or a white market. Is, most agorism happens in the gray market, black and gray flag. I guess that's where it came from.
3: Hey, so Jack, You should save some of this for the, um, for the, uh, further conversation. We, we will, we will. <laughs> one more, and I'm done, right? <laughs> okay, so my okay, last, okay.
0: my last one's critical thinking. Because, People have been dumbed down to the point where we've taken the common denominator and lowered that sucker to zero, and people cannot think anymore. And that's why all of these lies that they're able to perpetrate on people and all this system of control is all based on those lies. So with that, I'll shut up and, and turn it back over.
3: Let's jump over to Peter.
1: My name is Peter Arquinonez. I am the host of the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. I look at this and I see three people that have been on my podcast, uh, two of them numerous times, one episode that hasn't been released yet, John. And um, I am the I'm one of the executive producers on a new documentary called The Monopoly on Violence, which, eh, yeah, m- might put me on. Somebody's radar, maybe some government group's radar, because, you know, basically we talk about that they're criminals, that they're murderers and that there's a better way. But you do what you got to do. There are three things that immediately jumped out at me. I think anyone who knows me, anyone who follows me, anybody who's listened to my podcast knows that um, probably my biggest subject that I like to talk about and what I'm pretty famous for talking about is the police. And I don't like to call it the police. I want to use the term security because I don't believe most people even want the police or want the military. I think they just want to be safe. And... Those of us who can handle ourselves with our hands, weapons, um, we know that the majority of people are just looking for safety, that they can't do it. How do we get it? How do we replace the bureaucracy or, you know, dare I say, uh, the socialist structure of policing and even the military um, that's beneficial to the individual? So that's one thing that I work on, that I've done speeches on. Um, that I've written about extensively, and I do have solutions in mind. The second one that I want to talk about is something that I really don't know anything about, and it's one of the reasons that I'm here and Jack's already talked about it, and and it's food. And I think at the point we're at in history, with all the regulation in place, I think the overwhelming majority of people that live in the West – Basically rely on the government to feed them. And when you look at hog farmers having to destroy their property because some bureaucrat who's going to suffer no repercussions if there's mass starvation decides that they're smarter than those of us who are operating in the agora, they're just, people have to become more self-reliant on a food source. And that's one of the reasons I'm here is to learn about that. And I want to learn as much as I can so that I can take it forward and teach it to other people. The third thing that's really important to me is propaganda. Recognizing propaganda and being able to flesh it out. You know, reading Bern- Edward Bernays, Jacques Ellul, studying like neuro-linguistic programming, hypnosis. I believe that I have probably a better grasp on being able to recognize and interpret propaganda than most people. Probably maybe Vin has me beat on that. Uh, but I think that's really important because you cannot watch news. <clears throat> I mean, Jack has been on top of COVID since, what, January? So, and he's just recognized all the propaganda and he's been able to, you know, just sift right through it. And I think that the more we can teach people how to, how to figure out what's coming off the screen, what's coming off the paper, what's coming off a computer screen is trying to get them to move in the direction into the direction of somebody that would benefit somebody else and not themselves. I think that's really important. So, um, yeah, those three things are what I came up with when, you know, the, they come up with three things and I'm like, come on, that, was just, that sounds insane. But, um, yeah, I think, I think those, I think those three things are extremely important. And, um, two of them I'm pretty well versed at and one I want to learn and I want to teach. Awesome. So let's jump over to Vin.
4: Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. My name is Vin Armani and uh, I guess you could say that I've been a professional propagandist uh, on the the topic of propaganda for basically my entire life. I've been in the entertainment industry since I was a kid, uh, both as an artist and a, a promoter, record label owner, um, doing radio as well, all of which require a, a high degree of uh, understanding of propaganda. Um, I've also been a software developer, and I, I guess you could say that my formal education in propaganda was spending six seasons on a reality TV show called Gigolos as a star, um, and also during that period of time, um, producing movies and web series and whatnot that was in many ways a proof of concept of whether or not I had grasped grasped all of the knowledge of how you create a a narrative and then move it forward. Um, So I I think I probably ended that experience with a bit of cynicism uh, about the world, but certainly much better able to see the, let's not call them lies, um, because being on reality TV, you realize that uh, it's not necessarily lies, but it is, it's called reality TV, not because it's real, but because it's crafting reality. And you start to learn that uh, what reality is, is, is very, very, very fluid. And uh, as Pete said, there are people who have understood how to craft that reality for a long time and do it for a living. Uh, so so basically after that period of my life ended, I started I, I came out, uh, as it were, with my uh, libertarian views and started a show. That started doing my own propaganda, I guess you could say, for the, the forces of, of good and righteousness and a show called The Vin Armani Show, where uh, at least half of the people on on here were, were on that show during the two years that it was on. And we also had people like um, Jordan Peterson and, uh, you know, Ron Paul, G. Edward Griffin, uh, you name it, top to bottom, even some some scandalous people like Craig Wright for those people who are in in the world of Bitcoin. So. Uh yeah, that gave me a chance and and you know, you guys were part of certainly me growing in terms of my own understanding of the problems that were in the world. Uh, I had I during that time wrote my second book. Um, and now I'm now I'm full time in the world of Bitcoin as software developer and uh, putting out content, but also in the process of writing my third book now so, uh, I'm doing a lot less of the podcasting, so I, I really am enjoying the the chance to get and be a part of this because it, I guess keeps my chops in terms of uh, the the speaking to people going. So in terms of um, in terms of problems, I guess mine is maybe a little more macro, and it's why I'm so interested in in um, seeing what's said and maybe the role that I can play is perhaps directing the conversation uh completely in a self-serving way to see to see if and test if maybe my own hypothesis about what's happening is is correct. And my hypothesis is that basically we are coming to the end of an age and that uh, something I've been studying for several decades, writing about, uh, but also did a a, a long YouTube um, series about it's called the Ascendant Project. You can check it out on my YouTube. I did that four years ago, um, that there is something called the human social cycle that has been known for millennia. It's been written about. It's it's hidden all over our culture, including like in our playing cards, um, in in all of the ancient texts from west to east. It's sitting right there. Uh, it's in everything from the book of genesis to the indian caste system and once you know what it is it's very very obvious and 4 years ago i'd been i first learned about this about um let's see about 20 years ago and um had been looking and seeing at that time i didn't know i was like oh so this is supposed to we're supposed to be going through a shift like i could tell that we were at sort of the ep- the epoch of a particular age uh, the the and um I didn't know what that was. And about four years ago, I started to see things that told me, OK, yeah, we are actually like it's happening right now. Like we're in the middle of it. And that's when I did this Ascendant Project video series. Um, and it wasn't long after that that I started doing the Vin Armani show podcast and sort of tracking and narrating this thing happening. And uh, my belief is that now what we're seeing, everything from the virus to the Black Lives Matter Protest to the fact that we're sitting here talking and, and doing this podcast is, is literally to Bitcoin, uh, is literally the, uh, evidence that, that this is actually the case. Uh, it maps onto it perfectly. And so I guess my, my problem is basically that next to nobody views this as the movement of a cycle next to, and my second one is next to nobody views this as a natural process that has happened before and that will happen again as human has happened before many, many times. It has been documented in every ancient text um, uh, and the most important religious text. It's right there as evidence and that it's a natural process and part of the human experience. the, The last part of that is that because nobody realizes that, it seems that the solutions, nobody can really deal with the problem. And it seems like the solutions are uh, all holding on and resisting. You hear the word resistance a lot. And that it's a, a resisting of this turning of the wheel. And that everybody who resists will simply be ground under, as opposed to those people who, uh, you know, pull out the surfboard and ride this wave that's a part of nature. Uh, It's just happening over such a long time period that if we don't look back to the ancient wisdom and tie it in and see that we are just a part of the cycle of history, just which is why I like this group, because this is a group that focuses on systems, that focuses on cycles, that understands that things happen in cycles and sometimes broader than one year or two years. Sometimes it's a 10 year cycle. Um, And so. That's what I hope to, to bring. I'm more here to listen and maybe to, to ask questions and to guide it in that direction and to see if we can come up with solutions that aren't resistance, but are instead that grabbing the surfboard and riding the wave.
3: Wow. That's really cool, Vin. I'm, 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 I'm interested to hear to hear more about that. Um, okay, so Lassie, let's jump over to John.
5: Hey. Um... That was vibing big time on what everybody's been saying, um, but what Ben just said reminded me of this paper Bruce Benton put out recently that talked about the coming of a new age. And I think that we're all have a great opportunity and I'm sure everyone knows that it's going to probably get uglier than it before it gets cleaner or prettier. Um, but we are living at a really awesome time where we have a whole lot of opportunity to be a part of this change that that is to come. Um, I've been an activist since 2002. I caught a documentary on 9-11 on cable access here in Austin by old Alex Jones. I love him or hate him. He's kind of slipped from his position in my mind, but uh, really um, changed the way that I thought about government and what government's capable of and spent uh, several years trying to wake people up about the new world order and global governance and all this stuff, which. All the research I did, I'm grateful that I had that opportunity because now we see it coming into play like never before. Um, I learned about uh, Ron Paul in 2007. That's how I was introduced to libertarianism and did a lot of activism for his campaign in 2008. And then in the wake of that, a bunch of Mooney libertarians here in central Texas, we formed a political action committee called Texans for Accountable Government. It's still around to this day. It does a lot of great work. Um And I I really dug into political activism for a few years and even had some bills passed that I helped to author through the state legislature. But I came to realize that what seemed like victories in the political field, in reality, we were simply slowing the growth of the state and the furtherance of the government's control over people's lives. So. It wasn't even like we were taking any steps forward. We were just slowing the steps backward. And it was also through this time that I started learning about Murray Rothbard and anarchism. And I was introduced to Samuel Edward Konkin, I think, back in 2009 and agorism. And so as I faded out of the political activism, I started exploring alternative institutions and doing creating these systems that can compete with the existing institution, the existing systems, Um, growing your own food, relying on yourself and your body and naturopath, natural medicine, Uh, cryptocurrency came along and that was just perfect um, to demonstrate that, you know, we can voluntarily cooperate even on a global scale without having to have a central authority, especially a central coercive authority. So that was really exciting for me. Also around this time I had kiddos um, and so the whole self-sufficiency food production thing became really important as well. And really, that's where I've been, I guess, for the past seven or eight years, uh, trying to educate people about these alternatives, trying to encourage people to if you want freedom in your life, you don't have to beg your rulers for freedom. You don't have to expect other people to do the right things you can live free in your life right now by living as consistently as you can with the philosophy of liberty and by participating, creating, proliferating these alternative institutions. Um, I kind of got tired of being in poverty and doing the whole ragtag activist thing along the way as well. So I really got deep into entrepreneurship and uh, I, I run a company called Brave Botanicals. We sell Kratom and CBD and also um, well, let me get to my three things. So the three things, and that brings us up to the present. And we're here we are, so honored to be part of this awesome group. Uh, my three problems and what I hope to bring to the table, uh, the first one would be health freedom. And on the flip side, health tyranny. So I learned about the magic of healing ourselves and healing our bodies many years ago. My naturopath, uh, Dr. Matthew Buckley, helped me through this terrible, terrible infection that had me grounded on the couch. And when I would try to get up, I'd have so much pain that I would just be pushed back down. And he he showed me about nebulizing with colloidal silver, little food-grade hydrogen peroxide. And it literally wiped the infection or whatever the heck it was out in like two hours of just chilling on the couch nebulizing. It completely blew my mind. I felt like I was going to have to go to the hospital, but instead I just turned it all around on my own. And since then, it really... In, empowered me to understand that when our body's given the proper nutrients, uh, when we rely on, uh, more Eastern, uh, proactive therapies rather than the reactionary and the allopathic medicine, then we can really thrive. And being an activist and an anarchist for so long, I, you know, I'm opposed to any government intervention. But what really irks me and rubs me the wrong way is when the government gets in the way of people's health and medical choices, like plant medicine and cannabis is a perfect example. And so when I got involved with Kratom, which is uh powderized leaves of the Kratom evergreen tree, there's some right here and I'm drinking some throughout this interview. Uh, it was, it's a really difficult business to be in because the government, it's illegal in six states. The government tries to keep us from doing credit card transactions. I've had my YouTube videos pulled down, my Facebook ads account removed. And so that was really eye opener for me. Like, wow, even though this is legal in 44 states, uh, it doesn't matter. The government's still doing an end run around the actual law from the legislature and making it hard for people to get access to this plant medicine, which helps people overcome addiction, chronic pain, and has so many benefits. So um, I hope to help educate people about the fact that we can take care of our bodies without always having to rely on pharmaceuticals and always having to go to the doctor and take the antibiotics here and there. Uh, And I also want to encourage people to explore different plant medicines. And then another problem that I see, which is something that I've always seen, but it's really become more apparent lately is just how divided people are. And this COVID thing is just nuts. And it goes along with what Jack was talking about with the critical thinking. Like, everyone is just so pushed into two camps. And of course it lines up with left, right politics as well, inevitably uh, that you can't have a conversation anymore. And it's unfortunate. There's those very rare occurrences. And I do get people that reach out to me and, and they're grateful and they help. I help them to look at it different ways. One lady told me recently that because of my post, she feels less anxious about life and going out and, and living basically. Um And then the same thing with the black lives matter. It's like, one camp thinks that all white people need to check their privilege and they owe something to other groups. And the other camp thinks that there's no problem with police accountability and it's all just George Soros conspiracy. And, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm fearful and worrisome that it's escalated so much to the point where people can't even have a conversation and people can't honor that people think differently. And so I hope to uh, encourage people to try to have compassion for other groups and other parties and always ask why is it that someone feels this certain way? And especially why are they so damn passionate about it? There must be something to that. And then tying in with the division, why I think everyone is so damn divided is because everyone believes and they've been, you know, indoctrinated to believe this that we need to have this state institution, this government, in order to organize society, in order to have peace. So we don't have chaos and riots on the street. And it's like, well, we do have riots on the street now and people dying. Um, and so that is a huge thing for me. It's why I started this movement called the Freedom Cells back in 2015. It's since grown immensely. And basically, we're just trying to present an alternative way, a very practical, real world, it's already taken place. There's over 2200 people that are participating in a real world way that we can organize ourselves in the small groups and then network with other small groups. And so I hope to offer that as a solution to people because I really think it has a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of opportunity to 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 show people how we can go from here to there, not just theorizing and reading books and Murray Rothbard and philosophies, so on and so forth. But a practical like where the rubber meets the road, how we can go from here to there and how we could do it in a low risk kind of way. Maybe we'll get a little more risky when our numbers are 10,000 or 100,000. But for now, it's, it's chill. And then just one quick bonus is public schooling. Uh, I think it's the three problems that I mentioned, many of the problems that everyone's mentioned because the masses, myself included, not my children though, because they went through a public schooling system that, that's managed by the state, government schooling, right? Like Nicole said, uh, people are taught not to think critically. People are taught to worship idols like the presidents on the wall. People are thought a perverted view of history. And so, uh, there's lots of alternative educations out there, homeschooling uh unschooling and all sorts of great private schools. So I think that could really help to serve because I know this group is all thinking generationally not just thinking about the next election and the next two years or whatever we got, because the enemies of Liberty certainly have an intergenerational, you know, Illuminati type deal. So hopefully this group, we can be the Illuminati of Liberty and, and really uh think ahead and with some forward thinking stuff. So I'm glad to be a part of it.
0: The goose Illuminati.
5: <laughs>
3: that's
5: right, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, that's awesome. That's, that, so. That's like you know we're what? Are, what are we are like forty five minutes in? Yeah, great introduction. So much food for thought there. What do you guys want to do from here? I mean, um, go ahead, Jack. I, I, you know, what
0: we our our vision of this is that each episode, other than this one, will. We'll behind the scenes, the gaggle will gaggleify and we'll say, today we're going to talk about cryptocurrency or today we're going to talk about the food system or today we're going to talk about, you know, uh, the education system or whatever. I, I don't think with 45 minutes in, we have the time to grab one of those. What I thought was really interesting is, was Vin's comments on the cycle. And instead of resisting the cycle, embracing the cycle and kind of surfing with the cycle. So maybe what we could wrap up with is we'll go back around again and everybody talk a little bit about how they view that philosophy, you know, maybe three or four minutes a piece and, and, and that would wrap up episode one because I, I found it interesting that Vin almost seemed like, well, I'm kind of the, the black sheep here. And I'm like, why do you think all these people are here? Because the reason when I was like, who can I get to do this? The reason all of you are here is, one, I'm greedy and selfish and a self-promoter, and all of you have big followings, so that was part of it. (laughs) But but the big reason was I've watched every one of you go through this five stages of grief and go, I'm going to embrace the suck and see the opportunity and realize that with this transformation, instead of fighting it or trying to be part of it or picking a side – I'm going to follow the philosophy that we learned all the way back in the early 1980s in the movie War Games. The only solution is to not play the game where both sides destroy themselves. And so I, I know Nicole, I don't know if Nicole was ever going to confess, but I'm going to rat her out. Like like Curtis, you're like, I don't know if we have any social justice warriors or communists here. I don't know about communists, but we had a full-on socialist social justice warrior in Nicole. That's where she started, moved to libertarianism and went, well, this... This, and when I say libertarianism, I'm talking activist, trying to make laws. Like, this sucks, and this makes me miserable. And then one day she moved out to a farm, started a whole bunch of entrepreneurial shit, started roasting coffee, came to my place at a workshop, and was like, I'm not going to roast coffee full-time. And I watched her face go, shit, I'm going to start a full-time coffee business. And I've watched all that explosive. I'm kind of like, this is an opportunity for us. Like, cryptocurrency, people just... Decided one day instead of fighting it, we're gonna like mail silver coins back and forth. Like, let's just make a currency. And if you can make a currency and that works, then the all the whole argument of we need the Federal Reserve is dead. And you don't hear a lot of mania helmet wearing crayon eating people anymore. But like, it works. So like, maybe we could just do that and like randomly yeah. decide
3: who wants to go next. I, I I love that. Um, I'll start and we'll go. We can go through it the way we 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 uh went. I love that actually. Um. Yeah, I think I'll kind of tell you guys what I'm doing. So I I love what Vin said there. It's like this is happening. I 100% agree. Um, And there's a couple things that that I've done in my life to um, move along with this. Uh, One thing I will say. I've seen this shit coming a long time ago. Uh that's why I got into what I'm doing. I got into farming 12 years ago because I saw this shit coming in 2008. I didn't know anything. I was just a hipster musician, you know, living in squalor in Montreal and just like, you know, partying three nights a week and all that. But 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 I woke up and I went on this journey to to learn the things that I did that have taken me here. Um but I've seen this stuff coming. And the, the I totally agree with Vin and that these things come in cycles. So some things that are happening for us up here, um, and I'm, I'm taking a break from, from doing podcasts about it. I, I, I did a video about this the other day, or my last Liberty on the Land episode, at least for the next little while, because I just need to focus on doing shit. And I'm happy to have these conversations here, because this is a lot easier than me producing my own podcast. But one thing we're doing is uh, we're looking to get the hell out of the city. Uh, we're looking to finally move off-grid. I know it's going to take time, but... I don't really think, like, everybody else thinks, like, oh, yeah, we, we, by November, it's all going to be over. I think there's going to be another lockdown. I think we're going to see more stages of tyranny. But I think these elites have been playing a long game. They're not all of a sudden just going to pull down the hammer and make it all happen. They can't do that. Um, so we're, we're moving off grid. One thing we've done is I've, I've spent a lot of time researching the law and the legal system, and I found so much remedy in it. And uh, one thing I've learned about in the legal system was, I don't know, if Jack, if, if I told you this story, but back in 2016, I did what was called a conditional acceptance to the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, kind of tried to shake my farm down. Oh, we need to come do this, blah, 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 blah. I've learned about the system and how it's all commerce. Everything's corporations. The U.S. is a corporation. Canada's a corporation. It's all a corporation. It's all offer and acceptance. And I basically did a conditional come and said, I'm happy to have you come and inspect my farm on condition that you prove blah, 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 blah. Did a bunch of things that kind of were, gave them, um, kind of blew their heads off. And they basically left me alone. And so I've, I've learned some remedy that's been effective and that's been really important. And it's been helping, um, navigate the system because people are worried about forced vaccinations. People are worried about, five g there there 's a lot of these big issues that people are concerned about, and a lot of these things you can learn in the legal system that are totally within the, that legal system can work. The one thing that we 've been doing here locally has been forming our own common law assemblies and so this is actually so i 've kind of you know i, I here i am i 've been this this uh, anarcho capitalism capitalist for a number of years, and now i 'm actually starting to see um Reason for government in a local sense. And so this idea of common law assemblies is saying, because my, my, my original first thing I said, lack of skin in the game. And because we keep, we keep passing off all these responsibilities for conveniences at the loss of liberty, we lose these things. And so this common law assembly is basically saying, okay, this system's falling apart. Let's be like grass in concrete where little blades of grass start to break through and we start to come through. We come together and we say, instead of passing off our security, our food production, how we take care of our sick, all these things, we start to say, we're going to take responsibility. We're forming gr- groups, cells. They start with minimum of 12 people, and we're reverting to common law. Basically, What's the common law? Do no harm. It's really as simple as that. You, you can look at case law and make things a bit... You can add some things to it, but we're basically forming our own systems. And we've got police uh, members joining us. We've got all kinds of people in the community that are coming into this. And we're basically going to say, you know what, we're going to start taking responsibility for all the things that we just pass off. And that's a big part of, of where I see a lot of hope is that, we got to have people that come in who are willing to take back responsibility, put some skin in the game, and make shit happen. Because if we're just going to try to sit back and let uh, the government take care of this, forget about it. So that's kind of where I'm at right now.
5: Nicole?
2: Okay, I'll jump in. Um, when I heard Vin talking about the end of an age, I, I saw something different 20 years ago, but after studying how the third Reich came into power. Uh, I wrote a thesis about where that was most likely to happen again. And it was the U S and so watching what's happened over my life, as we get more and more top down controls, I started to lose a lot of hope. And then one day realized that stuff is all out of my control. And the only person I control is right here. And if if I can live independently and if I can show other people how to do that, none of all that other mess really matters. It it matters when somebody comes to your door and beats it down, I suppose. But I think the way that that I'm interested in riding the wave, so to speak, is is as follows. People can either resist and be negative or they can look for the opportunities and so i push to help people find the opportunities i look at my response to the covid thing is how and where can i make more money right now that's it there are rather than sit at home and be depressed about this this virus is going to come and kill me how can I make money off of this? Because there's a million opportunities out there. And with the decentralization of how we interact with each other through technology, there are even more opportunities. And no matter, no matter how, like, drug down you are, and I got depressed a couple of times during that time. I don't know about you guys, but there were times when I was like, man, the world has just gone crazy. But then I'd be like, you know what? No, let's find another opportunity today. Today I can spend time being depressed or I can spend time making money and then to infect. If I infect one person with that and they infect one person, then that makes, I think that is how we get people. We show them the path through our leadership to having that opportunity mindset. Because the more of us who have an opportunity mindset, the better off we are. And then, of course, selfishly, and Jack, I've got another one moving into the neighborhood I'm doing my best to get a strong group here in Tennessee who um, who are a true community. So when I talk about community, the reason I'm passionate about it is I have seen what happens when you connect doers to each other. And we may not agree on everything, but we agree that we are a community, and we agree that we help each other no matter what. And because of that, no matter what waves through Tennessee – right where which is my local area because this community is here we have each other's backs and sometimes like being self-reliant doesn't mean being alone and i think a lot of people don't realize that when we talk about self-reliance they think they have to do it all themselves no you don't have to do that and if we can get more natural communities operating this way like cells that some of you've talked about i think more people ride that wave in a positive way. And that's, that's what it's going to take for us to get at the end of that and, and have a better world, which is where this should go.
3: And us, right okay. on. Go ahead,
0: Jack. No, I've, I'm going last on this one. Okay. <laughs>
3: so anybody just jump in, whatever.
1: Pete? Well, the, the whole idea. Anybody who's been following, uh, Vin on Twitter knows that Vin keeps talking about the dim age and that's where we are. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's bothering other people as much as it's bothering me that basically we have a population of people walking around muzzled. And they're, oh, yeah. they have, m- They have muzzles on their face, and you can't really tell expressions. I mean, if you're good at reading people's eyes, you can see where they're at, but really, when I look at what's going on today, it 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 seems just – I can't think of a time when, quote, unquote, we've been in civilization – which is, you know, taxation is the price we pay for civilization. So, I mean, civilization is really only about a couple hundred years old. Um,
6: Make no mistake, this is like the Bolshevik Revolution or the Red Scare. Uh, uh, this, is, this is definitely like a uh, well-thought-out, well-planned <laughs> kind of communist thing.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the uh, the uh, the Excuse seventh me. member of the Gruce group has just shown up out of nowhere.
6: Boom! up, <laughs> oh, guys. You're late. You're late. No, I'm not. It was 9:30, right? No, and you're disruptive. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you have to oh, shut up case? now. You can be in episode two. Yeah, you got. I think got you got an attention. Yeah. Oh, no. I, okay. I, yeah, I think you got to set this one out because we're 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 almost wrapping up there, Xavier. Um, sorry there, uh. Pete. Pete, go Pete. Ahead. <laughs> Oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> If I can remember. Time travel.
0: I get it. It's
3: time zones, man I've screwed that up on Zoom calls yeah. so many yeah. times before. Yeah. I, I, it, we'll no, forgive you. No big deal. We'll
0: let, we'll let you at least introduce yourself at the very end. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> yeah. important to do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah.
4: Sure. You were talking about people with muzzles and the inability to communicate effectively because we've lost our nonverbal cues.
1: And... I'm one to make an entrance. <laughs> you know, you know we have the power to mute him, right? <laughs> but the, yes. What we're looking at now is we're looking at a time where personal cues, being able to read people, being able to having people look at, look at each other with suspicion, having a certain segment of society thinking that anyone who doesn't do exactly what they do wants to kill them. What I see when I look, when I look in people's eyes as I go through my day is that a good chunk of people are sick of this and they see that it's bull and they want out and they want to, they're looking for something different. They're just looking for somebody to stand up for them and say, look, it's okay for you to be able, you don't have to wear a mask in public if you don't want to. And I just see it as a golden opportunity that, There are a lot of people out there who are just, (laughs) they still may look to politicians for solutions, but they're definitely not looking, they're, they're getting woke to the fact that the people around them are to be, are suspect in their decisions. And I think that just guiding them down the right path to being like, Hey, if if you're questioning their decisions, you got to remember, these are the people that vote. These are the people (laughs) that there is a better way. And I think that we're, it really is a golden opportunity to, you know, when that, when this age ends and the new age begins, which I'm sure that I will have departed off this mortal coil long before that happens. But you know I want to be able to lay the foundation for that to happen and um you know if there is an afterlife to be able to look upon it and you know know that I contributed in some way Well put man do we all have does everybody here have kids No I don't yeah. Oh, Okay yeah yes Yes. Yeah, so it's so it me and Nicole, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I have a dog that's right outside my window in the fenced area, looking at me like.
5: That counts. Yeah, that counts.
4: Well, if, if Jack is going last, I'll go next. I guess. Go honestly. for it, Ben. So, since I can, since I'm not going to respond to myself, I, I can res, I can respond to what I've heard so far, and I think what's interesting and what's standing out to me is. Um, you know, this, this focus that the opportunity is community. And that's actually, if you see behind, I'm in a different time zone than these people because I, I'm on the island of Saipan right now and people are like, where is that? Yeah, Google Maps, uh, you'll find <laughs> it. But the reason why I came out here uh I, I i came out here basically we were my family uh my wife and kids we were on the last flight before they kind of shut this island down they've now opened it up a little bit but they're still being relatively weird uh it's an interesting place it's a us territory so everybody who's born here is a us citizen it follows us law but um it's very much not America, and it's someplace that most Americans don't even know exists. Uh, most U.S. citizens don't even know exists, even though they can travel here without a passport and work here and do whatever they want to do here. Um, it's got a government that is uh, very small. There's only 55,000 people in the entire Commonwealth. It's spread between quite a few islands, most of which are, are relatively uninhabited. Um, the government is very much a kind of you could say a show government so for those people who are minarchists it's basically the minarchist uh, dream they they've you've got police you've got fire and they really don't have the ability to enforce much else uh, we're we're friends with many members of the government most people work for the government but most of the money for the government comes from uh the federal coffers uh it's basically a vassal state Although no one here mm-hmm. pays into that, so if you live here, you are not subject to the IRS. Uh, you only are subject to local taxation, which they pretty much. Uh, the assistant attorney general here has told me we can't enforce it. Right. So.
3: <laughs> just, nah. Nice.
4: Um, uh, so, so it's an interesting place to be, and but the only reason that I found out about it was because a group started to form here kind of an intentional crypto community called Crypto Frontier. Uh, people who know Mark Edge from Free Talk Live. That's what asserted. That's what alerted me to it, because he sort of hopped on a plane with a one way ticket and was like, I'm going to Saipan. And I'll, I immediately hit him up and said, OK, tell me about it. Um, and so it was on my radar when all the covid stuff started happening. I was in uh, California and, and basically I moved out here and, you know, We have a community of people here and it's like, you know, every Sunday we do a barbecue and it's people who were locals and people who have come in and it's about in that range of 20 people or so, you know, and we do meetups and birthday parties and the whole nine and everybody's using cryptocurrency, you know, and I'm able to contribute in terms of providing the wallets and the point of sales and we're onboarding businesses and it's the whole nine and it's and. What's, what I find the most interesting about this community idea and the opportunity being in community and the fact that it seems that we're all doing this, including right here, is that as I've looked at history and as I've looked at where are the places that thrive when that dark age comes, it's always intentional communities. In the dark ages, it was really the monastic orders, the Christian monasteries and the the christian communities where people intentionally left and went and that was the storehouse of all that's where all the knowledge remained the renaissance was able to able to reboot because these monks had stored it all that was where language that's what this is when that's who developed beer that's who developed genetics this is this was all coming from out of the monks and it's interesting that we're using the term cell because it comes from that tradition Thus, the cell was the 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 dorm room of the monk it was called a cell and and that's why we have the the term cell within uh biology and all that. it comes comes from out of all of this so like it's interesting to me that even as we just free flow again this is a natural process and so you know the guy here who started this crypto frontier group he, he wasn't aware of all the things that i've been aware of but he just did it And that's part of the natural process. It's like so our opportunity is to look out to the places where this is emerging on its own as a phenomenon, where the groups and the communities and the cells are coming together and then to go and find one that you vibe with and, and, and invest wholeheartedly in that, because that's where the seeds of what is going to come in the future. That's what's going to hold on to the truly valuable knowledge and slough off the rest. Right, that's where it's all going to be distilled, and so when it's time for that thing to be reborn, like Pete said, we'll probably all be gone. But it will come from within these intentional communities, and so I think it's awesome that that's even being reflected in the things that people are doing.
3: Yeah, that's rad. I love dude. that. That's so rad. It, it, it's kind of in, sorry. I'll, I'll let John talk. About it. I just wanted to say how how cool it is that in the U.S. you have so many of these places that you can go and do that here i'm s- stuck in fucking de facto canada and uh, i can't even leave the country right now but unfortunately um, f- we live in a massive country with a very low population so let's go north that's yeah, yeah he'll totally.
1: die he'll
2: freeze to death goes <laughs> north
3: dude i embraced i embrace the cold it makes us tough <laughs> um,
5: i was thinking on the whole cycle thing um Something that's allowed me to have optimism in light of how ignorant, uh, the masses seem. And I just had this little check on myself. Like I don't want to sound elitist, but you know, in all reality, they're like the general public seems to be really, really dumbed down right now and just goes along with whatever the program is. Uh, and we're all carrying out our own programs, right? We're all still trying to evolve and, and grow as much as we can. But there is definitely a program that's being carried out, and a lot of people are buying into it. And early on in my activism, I was always, like, the edgy one. Like, when we were doing Ron Paul Republican politics, I was always talking about 9-11 truth. And everyone's like, no, no, you can't talk about that. You're going to make Ron Paul look crazy. But it's like, well, what about the <laughs> Earth conspiracy? Why is that one fair game? But 9-11 isn't. But I qu- I came to realize that, well, and I would respond to these people and be like, well, it doesn't matter if they're going to think we're kooky, because if I talk about Building 7 or false flag terrorism or the Federal Reserve conspiracy and it turns them off, then they're not the person I'm seeking to join our ranks. Right. Um, and the same thing is true with libertarianism. And it's exactly why Ron Paul Gained more of a mass movement than Rand Paul, right? Rand Paul was a watered down version of liberty. Ron Paul was a pure, consistent version. And so I feel, um, more optimistic because the masses never really change the course of history. They just go along with what's comfortable and convenient as we started off talking about. It's the people on the outside edges. Well, there's that small little Illuminati social engineer group or the radical innovators like us on this call and people that have innovated and created new um, widgets and new ways of thinking. Right. And it reminded me of this awesome essay by Albert J. Nock about the book of Job or Isaiah. It's called Isaiah's job. And it talks about Isaiah, who was told by the Lord to go bring more people in. To, to follow the Lord, right? And he would bang on everyone's door and just shout at the, at the rooftops and people would be annoyed and no one would show up. And so he got discouraged and he went and prayed and the Lord told him, well, it's, it's not the masses that you're looking for. It's the remnant. It's the people after this big catastrophe happens that are going to pick up the pieces of society and rebuild anew. And so I look at, us on this call and the people that we associate with and this general broader movement of of liberty-minded people and radical innovators and entrepreneurs as the remnant. And I think one of the most important things that we can do in line with building community is to find the others. And so I'm trying to like commit to myself not to spend so much time arguing and debating with people on Facebook because nobody's (laughs) mind is getting changed. Exactly. Spend more of my time building and helping those that are already there. And, and I realized too, like we don't need to swell the ranks necessarily even more. There's already enough people that are liberty minded, that are free thinkers, that are off the grid, that question the government, where if we just switched our tactics and instead of complaining, politicking, um, going back into the big system, right? Uh, into the rat race, if we just switched our tactics and started building the new infrastructure now, of course, cryptocurrency is a perfect example of that when it comes to monetary and currency exchange, Um, build the social organizations, freedom cells, build the food production systems, build the trade routes, the trade networks. Then I think we could find, you know, relative freedom in our own lifetime, let alone in multiple generations. And I also hope like, I don't I'm, I was never a smash the state kind of anarchist. Maybe I wasn't early on, but there's a lot of people that want government and people that would freak out with the personal responsibility and insecurity that comes with liberty. And so I think one way that we can kind of get to where we want to get is maybe we honor those people. Like, hey, if you want government, if you want to have police departments, if you want to have that social organization pay taxes, so on and so forth, then you go. You can do that. You guys do that over there. But we are going to do something different. Maybe we'll still pay the gas tax so we can travel up and down the interstate. You know, maybe I'll chip in for the park that I take my kids to, but I don't want to pay for war. I don't want to pay for the police department. I don't want to pay for health and human services, so on and so forth. So I think we're getting there and, um, it's all about taking action. So this is a great podcast and I think that one. One of the things that we're all doing in our lives and one of the things that we're bringing to others that are listening is that encouragement, that inspiration, uh, the motivation to go out and do. And we're, I don't think that we're far off, you know. It could take 10, 20, 30 years, maybe a couple generations. But I think that we can really see some some magic and we can ride that surfing the wave and and get to the other side in a much better spot than we are now.
0: John, did you say leave us alone? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of
0: the theme of this show. Uh, this has been awesome, guys. I wanted to uh, touch on a few things. One, uh, Pete, and then John kind of brought it back up again there with the whole idea of uh, an end of an age, and it, you know, I, we won't see it. We'll be in the hereafter, or just dust and gone by the time that happens. I I don't think it really works that way for us because I don't think an age ends for those that are watching the video like this. I think it ends like this, you have an age ending and a new age beginning at the same time. They overlap each other. And I think the the old age has been ending for quite a time now. And the new age has been growing for quite a time now. Like if somebody would have told you, uh, a lot of you kind of were really early on in this journey, or maybe not even started yet in 2002, that there would be, in the relative near future, a completely private currency that the government would do everything they could to stop and literally could do the square root of fuck all about and people would use it and billions of dollars of transactions would occur with it and people would become millionaires and billionaires because of it, you would have been like, I I, I wish that was true. You've all watched that happen. And that's only one example That's only one example of this old age dying and the new age forming and the overlap of those two ages. And I I derive a lot of things from fiction. I think fiction is like kind of my favorite genre to read. I don't read a lot of it anymore, but it's taught me to recognize these patterns. And the two books that I've been thinking about over and over again, or one book and one series I've been thinking about over and over again through this whole episode, number one is the Illuminatus Trilogy. Because we've talked a lot about Phenords, and Phenords, for those that are uninitiated, uh, don't know of Principa Discordia, etc., is a piece of disinformation in plain sight where you read something and it's communicated to you, and in plain sight you can see that it's a lie and that you can't see it. And, and Illuminatus is big on that. It's also big, though, on... This whole idea of picking a side, being a disruptor in the conventional sense, we're going to fight for this side or that side of the dichotomy, being a fool's errand, because if you read that whole book and you can get through it without having your mind like melt down as though you took 20 hits of LSD, um, you realize that all these organizations that are directly fighting each other they're all being controlled by the same puppet masters. And that includes the organizations that think they're outside the system that are fighting for this one thing that they want. The other one, though, and this is far less known, I think, in the Liberty community, is the uh, the Geodesy series by Piers Anthony. And the first book of four in it is called Isle of Women. That book was given to me back in, like, 92 by a good friend of mine that I worked with. And the concept of this, is, you start reading it, and it's like humans are at the point where we're like proto-apes in the trees. And it goes through human evolution and it gives names to these characters. And as you end a generation and come back later in time, those characters are reincarnated as the same sort of kind of family unit in a new time in history. And some of the things these characters deal with will be like they're in their little city and everybody's getting paid in beer and everybody's happy and then, oh, gee, the enemy's coming and like they massive murder and the walls fall and this new regime takes over. And the family simply constantly adapts to whatever happens and becomes successful no matter what happens, from something good happening to something terrible happening. And there's three other books in that series, and it's really awesome. And by the time you get to the fourth one, it's kind of like, okay, we did this already. But I highly recommend both of those to get an idea on this pattern recognition of how these cycles through history go. I have a book coming out very shortly called Laws of Life. There's 16 Laws of Life. And one of them is that if you want to know what's going to happen, look at what happened before, because everything in the world is a cycle. So I've long ago stopped deciding I'm going to pick this one thing, I'm going to fight for this one thing, and I'm going to make this one thing work within this system. And I've just thought, I'm just going to go do whatever the hell I want. And I know that sounds like overly simplistic. It almost sounds kind of sophomoric and childish. But all I can say is like the day I started doing that, I'm not going to say everything got easier but everything got better. And one of the things as a podcaster that does the show called The Survival Podcast, right, I deal with, like, kind of apocalyptic ideas. And you would think, like, this is my nirvana COVID because if I just only focused on making money, I could make more money during this period than I've ever made in my whole life, and that would be quite a bit. Um I've had to kind of keep everybody calm, but I've also had to, like, remind myself that not everybody has my property, not everybody has my system set up. Even the people that listen to me and try to do it, they didn't necessarily do it, because do you know what this has all meant to me? Nothing. It's, it's literally meant nothing in my life. My life has not changed at all. I've gone on with my life as though none of this crazy shit has happened at all, I have not worried about food. I have not worried about money. I have not worried about where I have to get to to work. I have not worried about where I want to go shop. I just went on vacation for three weeks and went fishing for sharks in Florida. And I know people look at that and go, wow. And it's just like my thing with this cycle thinking is as soon as you accept it, you can live this life too. It's actually not as hard. And every single person in this group is doing that to one degree or another right now. And I've heard from some of you at the beginning kind of really freaked out and all. And then, like, I watched every single one of you go, like, this is my solution. And it's been, you know, Nicole's solution is different than Curtis's solution. is different than Peter's solution, different than John's, different than Vince, and different than our later rival, Xavier, if he's still there, right? Like, everybody's solution's been different. But here's the key. Everybody's solution's worked. Everybody's solution's worked because we've literally have reached the point of, I don't give a shit what you do, I will have an answer for it. And that's understanding this overlapping cycle, and you're watching the old regime die. And it's your chance to build something that will be eventually, unfortunately, co-opted, but will become part of the new regime. And either you do it or it does you. It's your choice.
3: Well put, Jack. So should we take this time to... Inter- have uh, Xavier introduce himself.
2: I think it's a great idea.
3: Yeah, let us do that because we might as well because that that the next episode we go into we can just kind of jump into it right.
2: Yeah, he has, he has fun. <laughs> what he's doing,
0: dude? You got like got the crickets. The or are are
3: you in the middle of a field <laughs> on a phone or something?
0: Where? Why Hi. don't we see you? What are we looking at your name for?
6: All right, you guys want it? You got it. All right, you got to go quick too. Oh, there you are. All right. Yeah. So I am. I'm out in the middle of the mountains of Western North Carolina. Uh, two days before the lockdowns in the United States came, I mean, I, we were up here. And uh, back in November, I said, this is the thing. This is the thing that I've prepared for for a number of years. And we, we did that episode, Jack, where uh, we talked about strategic relocation. And we pulled that off. And we've been up here. And like you said, it hasn't really affected us. I mean, we've got a garden. We've got goats. You can hear the crickets. There were dogs going just a little while ago. And um, the grocery store is like 30 minutes away, so is cell phone signal. And if, if uh, my Wi-Fi signal gets a little squirrely here, that's why. Um, it's been an exciting time in all of this, business as usual. I've got some really great things going on, and uh, our family's really happy. It was basically like an extended summer vacation. So... Um, to that end, you know, it's been really an amazing experience. And, and like, I caught the tail end of this. And again, I thought it was two hours, uh, not not one hour back. So my apologies. But um, it's an honor to be a part of this. Just listening to you guys has been really inspiring. I mean, I think this whole group is made up of people who are active and doing things that are b- helping build that new paradigm that you're talking about. And like you said, Jack, you know, here we are in the midst of the old age, right? And kind of taking steps to make that new one, a reality and, a, and one that could be something that we're proud of and our kids are proud of. So thanks for letting me be a part of this. Um, what do you want me to say? I, I, uh, I, give us a little bit about, you know, your, your,
0: your, background and what we had everybody doing. You got to do it fast because we're, we're long now. Like you remember the email chain, your three yep. Yep. big issues that you want to contribute to.
6: Yeah. So I have been, uh, I started a, a home health agency with my family in the early aughts and. I uh, did really well in investing, was one of the first Bitcoiners in like 2013 and 14, architected the first asset-backed cryptocurrency, was the first, I believe, to negotiate a blockchain solution for a nation. Um, we've got a great community management system and we're working on um, building communities with resilient energy, off-grid power, Um security and, and all of the, the kind of new technologies that we want to see in emerging technologies. And so we're calling them regenerative communities, um, you know, for the obvious reasons. And the three biggest things that I feel like I'm working towards is uh, energy resiliency, um, agricultural resiliency, and health and well-being of the people who live in those systems that we're helping design. Um, I see some big challenges and some big uh, things that are changing and hopefully they go away soon and in a way that's not too damaging to the, the population.
0: Very cool. And I'm glad you made it, man. I'm glad you you were only off by like two hours instead of three and then, you know, you didn't not, not make the first <laughs> yeah, one.
6: Yeah, no, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. You guys are all really inspiring and I know a little bit of your work, each one of you. So um, it's an honor to be a part of this. Right on. Great stuff.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, so do we want to leave it there, you guys,
0: or uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I want. I think that's a great place to leave it. What I want to kind of do is throw out to the audience, because I'm sure will grow in time. But, like, I've learned a lot over the years of podcasting that take feedback from your audience, and we've talked about some of our big issues today, and I'm sure all of us have, like, one that's, like, our pet issue that we really want to hammer on our next episode. And I would love to hear from folks. Like, come to unloosethegoose.com. Uh, look up this episode if you got it on Stitcher or iTunes or Outcast or whatever the hell it's called or Undercast. I don't know. Nicole took care of all that. Um, and tell us what, it, and like whatever is like over the next week, the thing that most people want to hear about. Tell us on Facebook. Email us directly if you're a follower of Nicole or you're a follower of John. We'll handle it on our back channel. We're using Telegram, which, uh, uh, I think Curtis put us on. That's awesome. Like use that. Uh, yourselves and all, but we'll communicate with each other and we'll figure it out. And we'll come back at you next week and we'll take one of these things and we will rip it apart. And the biggest thing I, and we didn't say this today, like, and I hope everybody that's listening or watching has, has noticed with this. Our goal is not only to help you solve these problems, but we don't all agree on everything. We are not an echo chamber here. We have one of our goals to teach America bluntly how to have an adult fucking conversation when you disagree. And the way that everything went around today, that that's a great example of that. But I think when we start getting into individual situations and like Curtis is like, I think this and I'm like, I think that Vince like, now you're both idiots. Like we can do that and we can do that in a way that actually sets a good example. Cause Vin and I have had some pretty big debates online. Vin and I had a debate online where I can see that he was right. That's a big step for me, right? I was like, I'm going to break the Internet today by admitting I was wrong. And, like, there's nothing wrong with being wrong. That's how you freaking learn. So guys that are listening to this, give us some feedback. Tell us the issue you want us to harness and unloose the goose, too. And then I just would say, like, in your own lives and your own hearts, unloose the freaking goose, man, because the reason we use the goose as our mascot is the goose doesn't give a shit. The goose goes on about its own life. It lays its eggs. It raises its goslings. But if you go screw with it, I've seen goose attack cows. You talk about being outmatched. So the goose is the, goose is the epitome of leave me alone. There will be no trouble if you leave us alone. So that's where we're coming from, man, and, and I appreciate everybody who's here today.
3: Great. Great stuff. Anybody else yeah, have any you. final things they want to add before we uh, close her down? Peace and freedom. Everyone
5: says be safe to each other these days. I notice. Man, I I've hate, been telling that. People I hate to that statement. Be Fucking healthy. Be dangerous. And be yeah. free. Yeah. yeah, be dangerous.
3: Be dangerous.
5: Go, go kiss Absolutely.
0: a stranger.
6: <laughs> Absolutely. You can't I'll be peaceful right unless. Stranger. Yeah, and you can't be peaceful <laughs> unless you're capable of great harm.
5: There you go. It's true. It's
1: a peaceful it's, it's a warrior. Urban will kill you in moderation. <laughs> oh, that is
2: next on my list. <laughs>
1: Alright, All folks. Is.
3: We'll see you uh in the next one.
2: Unloose the goose.
1: We'll take no